0: Please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. If you haven't been able to join us in recent weeks, we have been following the road, a dark and lonely road that was walked by Jesus Christ in his last hours. We saw as he was falsely accused at a sham trial by the leaders of the Jewish nation These were men who had been charged by God to lead and to care for his people. But they were motivated by envy and greed and their hatred of the Savior. Then we saw as he was abandoned by his closest friends. And finally, last week, we witnessed as the holy, righteous, and innocent Son of God, the Christ, was being mocked and beaten by Roman soldiers. This morning as we continue in Matthew, we are confronted with nothing less than the horror and the cosmic injustice of the execution of the Son of God. While we have seen these last several weeks how Matthew's narrative has deliberately slowed down, we come upon what is the darkest hour mankind has ever experienced. An hour which at superficial glance appears that evil has triumphed. Yet, we continue to see the sovereign hand of God as his plan of salvation unfolds before our very eyes. His plan from eternity past to redeem his chosen people, you and me, from our sins and from eternal destruction. Now this is a story I think that most of us are familiar with. And while we know where the story ultimately leads, it's essential that we look closely at the picture of the crucifixion that Matthew paints for us. What did people see when they saw Jesus crucified? Matthew asks us, the reader, to see the crucifixion through their eyes. Now most here know that crucifixion was one of the most painful, shameful, and terrifying ways to die. Those that were executed by crucifixion experienced unimaginable pain and physical suffering. Yet Matthew writes almost nothing of the physical elements of Jesus' crucifixion. He fails to mention The nails that pierced his hands and his feet or the fact that the cross was seven feet tall just high enough to prevent a man from touching the ground to hold himself up as he slowly dies by suffocation. Instead Matthew is directing his readers to see beyond the mere facts of the crucifixion the blood and the physical terror beyond what the eye can see. While Jesus' crucifixion is an event of unparalleled significance, where the innocent and righteous Son of God is executed at the hands of his enemies, Matthew limits the description of the actual crucifixion to three words in Greek, translated simply, when they had crucified him. Why does Matthew devote so little ink to this momentous event? Matthew focuses instead on those that witnessed the crucifixion and their spoken words. How they responded to what they were observing. He details their accusations, the slander and mockery that was directed at Jesus by Roman soldiers the chief priests and other elders of the Jewish nation and how the crowd and the criminals taunted him. It is through their words that Jesus' enemies unwittingly teach us the meaning of the cross. We need to look at this picture closely. It's possible to see how an event unfolds in front of your eyes and not know what it really means. And this is the case for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The Jewish leaders and the Romans knew exactly what they were doing and why. And yet they could not see the hand of God. As we read Matthew's account, we see two truths unfolding before us. Two truths that are in tension with one another. On the one hand, we have human beings, humans that are specifically responsible for the most evil and darkest injustice in all of history. Those that are motivated by hatred and evil and fear. On the other hand, we have the crucifixion itself unfolding exactly as the father planned. This morning, as we approach the scene of Jesus' crucifixion that dark morning, we must remember that our narrative started actually the evening before in the garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was arrested. Afterwards, we saw his disciples abandon him and flee in fear. He was then taken before the Jewish leaders for a mock trial that was held, held under the direction of the high priest Caiaphas and the Jewish council. And as Jesus stood silent before his accusers, we witnessed Peter deny him three times in the early morning hours. As the sun rose higher in the sky that morning, he was brought before Pilate, the Roman governor, who, who recognizing the injustice of what was going on, simply washed his hands of the entire affair. What followed was a heartless display Of senseless cruelty and scorn as the Roman soldiers mocked him, beat him, tormented him and spit on him. Jesus had been awake the entire night. As we follow Matthew's narrative we will observe how three groups of witnesses responded to what unfolded in front of their very eyes. So this morning Let's try to see what they saw and could not see. The first group of witnesses, these are the Roman soldiers who nailed Jesus to the cross. Our narrative starts in verse 37. So Matthew 32, excuse me. So Matthew chapter 27 in verse 32. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, they compelled this man to carry his cross. In ancient Rome, criminals were forced to carry the horizontal beam upon which they were crucified and when they were suspended. But because Jesus had not slept, he had been awake the entire night, he had been whipped and severely beaten, he was so weak he was unable to carry that heavy piece of wood. So the soldiers forced a bystander to carry it for him. Verse 33. And when they came to a place called Golgotha which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it he would not drink it. All four gospel writers place the crucifixion at Golgotha. Some, tra- some traditions claim that Jesus was crucified on a hill, but in reality, the exact location is unknown. But this we do know. It would have been outside the city, city walls and near a major roadway, and this was intentional, and it served as a public warning and a deterrent to the people who passed by. And it was used to add shame to those that were being executed. Now as we have walked as a church, this nearly three year journey studying Matthew's gospel, we have seen how often he marks the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. Like most of Matthew's gospel, the the crucifixion narrative does the same, fulfilling several Old Testament prophecies. These are primarily from Psalm 22 and Psalm 69. And verse 34 presents us with one such instance. The Roman soldiers, in an attempt of cruel mockery, yet unaware of the significance of their actions, they ironically fulfill Psalm 69, verse 21. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst, they gave me sour wine to drink. While the Romans who were Gentiles would have no knowledge of the Psalms, the Jewish leaders that were there would be very familiar with Psalm 69 and should have recognized what was taking place in front of them. The Messiah, the Christ, the one who had been prophesied of hundreds of years before was now before them in fulfillment of the scriptures. But they were blind to the truth They were blind, blinded by their hatred and their envy. Mark, in his gospel, suggests that the drink offered to Jesus was possibly some type of narcotic. And his refusal to drink the cup indicates that he preferred to keep his senses clear as he approached that crucial moment, the crucial moment when he, in fact, would give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' refusal to drink that cup shows his willingness to drink instead the cup of God's wrath for a people who do not deserve this kind of sacrifice. Verse 35. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. Having nailed Jesus to the horizontal beam and positioned the cross upright with Jesus suspended on it, the Roman soldiers add to their reproach and they mock him by sitting on the ground while Jesus hangs suspended above them from the cross. And they start gambling among themselves for his clothes. Now many of us I think can picture this familiar scene having read our Bibles or seen paintings or film. But as we continue, don't let your familiarity cause you to miss the profound significance of what we are witnessing. The Roman soldiers, perhaps, to ensure that no one would take Jesus down from the cross and try to revive his dying body, and again, completely unaware of the significance of what was taking place before them The soldiers simply relax on the ground and they wait for him to die. They do this with no more interest than someone sitting in a meadow watching the clouds pass by overhead. The significance of the hour is entirely lost on them. However, God's plan of salvation His sovereign rescue mission is taking place before their very eyes. Jesus, as he hangs on the cross in submission to his Father's will, endures their mockery and the shame. He chose to do this while we, brothers and sisters, in the words of Isaiah, we hid our faces and esteemed him not. Verse 37 presents us with another irony. And over his head, they put the charge against him which read, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. In this twist of irony, Jesus is now indicted and charged by the Romans with the crime of being the King of the Jews. While the Roman governor Pilate thought that this mockery would be to Jesus' shame, Pilate, in fact, declares what is true and what is real. Jesus is the king of the Jews. He is a king, but not the one they would have imagined. He comes not as a conquering warrior to overthrow the Roman Empire, but as a suffering servant, sacrificing his life to save his people from their sins. His kingdom is not of this world, yet he is reigning as king in front of their very eyes from the cross. And those that are watching do not understand who it is who is before them. From this place of weakness and vulnerability, While suspended on the cross, Jesus Christ fulfills the duties of a true king, a righteous king. He is protecting his people and delivering them from harm. He atones for their guilt and overcomes sin and death and reigns as king. He is fully in control. Matthew turns the mockery back on the mockers. Now let's turn to the second group of witnesses. This is the crowd and the other onlookers, people who came to witness the spectacle but had no responsibility for it, including the two criminals. Continuing in verse 38. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross demanding Jesus prove his deity, they provoke him and they taunt him, daring him to come down from the cross and prove that he is the son of God. Of course, they think no true king would die this way. To them, he appears pathetic, the picture of utter powerlessness. His crucifixion proves he's an imposter. The irony is, he is the Son of God. And he has complete power to save himself and come down from that cross. But in obedience to his Father, he chooses not. It is precisely because he stays on the cross that he proves he is the Son of God. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, notes the same thing. Speaking of Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This brings us to our third group of witnesses, the leaders of the Jewish nation, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders who are observing and are watching very, very closely. In verses 41 and 42, they join the others, but they press the point even further. So also, the chief priests, with the scribes and elders, mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. But Jesus remains silent. He did not revile in return when he was reviled. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. The Jewish leaders see it all wrong. Unwittingly and ironically, they speak truth that they don't understand. They arrogantly think that the messianic king would not die this way. They view Jesus' crucifixion as their vindication and justification for their treachery and their evil actions. However, it is precisely because Jesus did not save himself that he is able to save others. Matthew mocks the Jewish leaders as they unwittingly declare the truth of the gospel. Jesus saved others by not saving himself. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The Jewish leaders arrogantly proclaim that if Jesus would come down from the cross, they would believe in him. Brothers and sisters, for those who have ears to hear, he calls you to believe, not because he had the power to come down from the cross, but precisely because he stayed on the cross. In obedience to his father, Jesus remained suspended from that tree and endured the torment. It was Jesus who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. Brothers and sisters, Jesus became our substitute, dying in your place and in my place on the cross. He experienced God's wrath in his body so that we might be spared the punishment we justly deserve for he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed well the Jewish leaders aren't finished with Jesus yet sensing they have the upper hand they continue to mock the Lord in verse 43 and quoting from Psalm 22 He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now, like all the others, they speak truth, but it is truth misapplied. Jesus is on the cross because he is the Messiah because he trusts his Father. And the Father does deliver him, not at that moment, but three days later. If we had been present at the crucifixion, observing what was taking place at the cross, it would have been easy to assume that those that condemned and crucified Jesus had it right that Jesus Christ, the self-proclaimed Messiah, was no savior at all as he hung defenseless, suspended on the cross, the object of ridicule and mockery and shame. But things are not always as they appear. Using the scorn and mockery directed at Jesus by his accusers and the onlookers, Matthew paints a very different picture. It's a picture of a sovereign Savior who, in humble obedience to his Father, rules as king as he secures redemption for God's chosen people. He remains in complete control. For truly, in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan have predestined to take place. Now some of us, we've been hearing this message at least once a year, as it is expressed in such vivid detail. This morning, we've seen how three groups of witnesses see the same event and respond differently. The Romans, the crowd and the onlookers, and the Jewish leaders. Each group of witnesses speaks truth but completely misses the meaning. There's a fourth group in this text. Look closely. It's you and it's me. We are in this picture. What do you see when you see Jesus crucified? Here's what Paul told the Galatian church, noting their conversion and their sincere faith after hearing the gospel. He writes, "O foolish Galatians, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. We, we have seen this morning this picture that Matthew paints. Brothers and sisters, what do you see? The Romans, they saw a political problem, a nuisance that they wanted to be rid of. To the guards, Jesus' crucifixion was just another day at the office, one of hundreds of executions that they carried out for the, that they carried out for the Roman Empire. Is that the Jesus that you see? To the crowd and onlookers, the crucifixion was a cruel joke. It was a spectacle. It was a mockery. Is that what you see? To the chief priests, the elders, and the scribe, the very leaders of the Jewish nation, the men that were charged with protecting God's people, Jesus was an impediment to their power, their fame, and their wealth. Is that how you see Jesus? If we see what Matthew saw, we see the sinless one, the only innocent and righteous man to have ever lived, being slandered, mocked, beaten and tortured, unjustly condemned and executed. We see the Holy Son of God willingly enduring the wrath of God as our substitute so that our sins might be forgiven and we be reconciled to God. We see the Christ, the one of whom the prophets foretold centuries before, now sitting at the right hand of the Father, reigning as king and ruling in power and in majesty. Brothers and sisters, if we, see, if we see what Matthew saw, we should all be undone. And we should fall on our knees and worship the King, the glorious Christ. This morning, what kind of witness will you be? Please pray with me. Father, what mercy and what love are in display on that cross. Jesus Christ was pierced for us. He was crushed for us. The just for the unjust, the innocent for the guilty. It was our sin that put him on the cross and he shed his blood for our forgiveness. Lord, in this picture we see your sovereign hand, your mercy on display, and your amazing love in saving us, sinners, those that once mocked and reviled you, and scorned your love. But because of your amazing love, we have now received your mercy and forgiveness for our sins. Our only hope for salvation is in you. Lord, for those still walking in darkness, those dead in their sins, those that exist as objects of your wrath, may they hear this gospel, this good news, and Lord, may they repent of their sins, turn and receive your mercy and your forgiveness. May they find hope in this life and hope for eternity in the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.